Hi, welcome to This is Uncomfortable. I am Dana. I'm Katie. We're here to talk to you about very uncomfortable things. Things that make you uncomfortable. Things that make you squirm, that you don't <laughs> want to talk to your friends, definitely not your parents about. Definitely can't talk in public about usually. But we're going to just broadcast it for you in public. And that so way you can play it wherever you want. Then it's okay to talk about. <laughs> yeah. going <laughs> to make it way less scary. Yes. Today's topic... Vulnerability. Vulnerability. <laughs> the most fun of all the abilities. Yes. Um, I think we wanted to start with vulnerability because I feel like it is kind of the reason that we're doing this podcast. I think that we have a good dynamic in being able to be vulnerable and honest with each other. And I think that um, vulnerability is really at the root of a lot of communication problems that I think we find a way around when we can talk about it. Well, and it's also uncomfortable topics when you talk about them you're being vulnerable yeah exactly because you're talking about things that you don't want to talk about yeah typically. they're uncomfortable yes. because they probably make you feel nervous or like you might not be accepted or that you might get hurt you're literally you're putting yourself in a position where you can get hurt right and i think um i don't know what the textbook definition is but i feel like i have it right you, ha- for you. you have I it i have it for oh, you my my dear <laughs> vulnerability is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Wow. All right. So spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we were joking about this earlier, but, um, you know, even like, uh, how like Gus, when he's in the backyard and like, if, if you're out there with him and he like wants to make eye contact with you and it's literally like, that's a gross vulnerability, but that to me is like such a good indicator of like how primal it is in the sense that like he is showing you that like he's like hey I need your help I'm in this position that kind of compromises me do you got my back we're talking about a dog going to the bathroom yeah I'm talking about I'm talking about Gus making eye contact with me when he when he tries to poop yes that is that's not only uncomfortable but also vulnerable yeah it's it's uncomfortable you are our first star Gus welcome yeah so what do you think vulnerability at its core to yourself is in your life in my life um, vulnerability is a mode of communication in itself, I think. I think um, once you're aware of its power, you can use vulnerability to reach out to other people. Mm-hmm. So one thing I've been finding is that the less defensive I am and the more willing I am to, instead of telling people, I think you need this or I think this is what's going on, right? I approach conversations by being like, Well, in this situation, what I would do or how I would feel or when this happened to me, Mm -hmm. I think shows people that you're willing to share yourself and it it kind of lets people open up more. And you're kind of making the situation that's uncomfortable humanized. Yes. So it's not so alone. Yeah. It's not so alien. Yeah. Because I think when you, a, a weird thing too, I think about vulnerability is like, we probably don't admit that we don't make ourselves vulnerable to ourselves because I like, yeah. I mean, one, a big thing too is that like a lot of the way that we like keep our delusions up is by keeping up appearances that we have about ourselves, even like ideas that you have of yourself. So sometimes I can't even know, like, am I being so honest with myself that I'm willing to risk hurting myself? Like, mm-hmm. am I even being vulnerable with myself? And I've noticed, honestly, you, it's hard to do that. So mm-hmm. I think being able to do it outwards um, kind of shows you that we all have it. I think mm-hmm. the big important thing about communication and vulnerability is that we all have it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the, being human is super weird, but as like a, as like a social species, one of the things we need to realize is like, 
we're all individually having this experience, but a lot of our experiences are very, very similar. Right. There's actually very few that aren't. Right. So I think that vulnerability is really showing up as who you are in that moment. Because that changes, like we were just talking about earlier. But also having the courage to be that person and talk about that person and reveal that person to not only to yourself, but to whoever whoever's around you. Yeah. So it's really showing up and having the courage to show up and be that person and admit it and acknowledge it. And so, I mean, obviously that takes a a bunch of different forms and it's not always fluid. I'm not vulnerable with myself in ways to some person that I am to another. It's, it's very, it's very different. And so it's not always a constant state of being aware of it only, but also it's like, it's, it's not always there. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, it's a daily practice. And it's a daily, it's something that I work on every day. Exactly. I think it's like, if it, it, it's just like everything else where if you're not paying attention to it for a second, you're going to forget it's there. Yeah. So I think, um, one of its powers really is, is that like it, you said bravery earlier and I think, uh, a misconception about vulnerability. I think there's a misconception about vulnerability, uh, being, a weakness because it makes you feel right. weak. It makes you right. feel exposed. And I think the difference between exposed and weak and vulnerable, very important. Yeah. Very well, important. Well, I mean, at its core, vulnerability is exposing yourself to being hurt, to having things that you've said or done or exposed, being used against you, to being judged, to being ashamed, to, to being, being rejected. Yeah, to being, all of these yeah. things. But th- that's definitely all the negatives of vulnerability. But the positives of vulnerability is that you're given new perspectives from other people's life experiences that have similar paths or stories or whatever. You're normalized in how you feel. You're uh, validated in how mm-hmm. you feel. You're you're putting that risk out there and a lot of times or sometimes getting the benefit of doing that risk. Like, I don't know, something as simple as approaching someone in a bar and buying them a drink or asking them out or whatever. The yeah. Fuck, you know? Yeah, that could end really badly, but also that could end the way you, exactly how you wanted to end. Um, it ended in a marriage for me. Yeah. So right. <laughs> it's just thing is like it's just like a, it is vulnerability, and I think in that moment, what our I always talk about fear too is that um, I think the instinct that you have right before you want to be vulnerable or you're stopping yourself from being vulnerable is that literally it's like that what if moment of like well no but what if this happens and it's, right. it's that defensive protectiveness that you're it's a primal thing you're exactly. you're an animal your brain is protecting you yes. i always try to like remind myself like i should feel fear yeah. but i should also ignore it i imagine it as you're going to go jump off of a waterfall with your friends into a swimming pool or whatever mm-hmm. and up until the point like right before you see the edge you're stoked about it you are so stoked about it you're going to do it you're amping yourself up and then you get to the edge and that flight or fight kicks in and your body's telling you, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? Don't do this. What the fuck are you doing? You yeah. know it's going to be fine. Yeah. You know you've seen the last five people jump and they're all fine. They're swimming down there. They're coaxing you down. That that flight or fight kicks in and you think, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah. But it's just, it's so irrational. But, but it's your, the thing is, in that moment, you're hitting it so perfectly. That is the primal perfect moment of your brain being like, Hey, I don't want you to do this. My instinct as a machine that's made, that's like works on chemicals. My instinct is to tell you, you shouldn't do this. I'm protecting both of us and I'm saying no. Right. But you have your eyes and you have your empathy and you have your friends below you and you have context. Right. And I think those are the things that change us. The the inner dialogue is just what you are raw working with. Uh Uh-huh. 
And then the outside is all of the context that you have to put it in. And you have to find a way to make those meet without just blowing up in your face. Yeah. I think that's like a... And this is where the daily practice comes in. Mm. The more you... If you go to that waterfall the next day, you're going to jump off a lot faster. The yeah. next day after that, you're going to jump even faster. It's getting into this practice of allowing yourself to feel that fear, but move past it and be vulnerable. Exactly. And that's where the benefit comes in because you realize, yeah, maybe I'll get rejected by this guy at the bar. Big fucking deal. That's, I remember we talked about this a while ago too, is ask yourself the what if questions. Yeah. But try to answer them. Yeah. Because asking the question will definitely panic you and it'll be like, oh, there's all these possibilities, all of the things that could go wrong. Okay. 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 But then ask yourself, okay, what if he did reject you? What are you, in the moment right after that? Are you gonna melt into the ground? Is he gonna is he gonna murder you? <laughs> are you gonna cease to exist? At is, that point? Yeah, is, is is all existence just gonna fucking blink out yeah. because that moment happened to you? Or are you gonna like maybe awkwardly laugh and like walk have away, a joke, walk away, and then four days later not even remember it, or not even remember what you look like, and then maybe, just kind of like yeah. laugh about it? Yeah, because you it's just a tiny thing that happened to you. But that one moment that of fear is moment. so overpowering. It fills every. It fills the whole room. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you are. I, I feel like uh, everybody can relate to this. That like it, you can just tune out and everything just kind of like, they do it in movies too, where like everything else just kind of tones down and you are just having this moment and you're really not. You're just you're one person among millions of other people who are just as terrified as you are. But in that moment, that fear of that rejection becomes bigger than anything else in your world. And mm-hmm. I think that's like that's, but that's your brain protecting you Mm -hmm. just just tell it like Mm -hmm. hey i see you i hear you we're gonna be fine but here's the flip side of that too if you don't play into the vulnerability if you don't allow yourself to be that you allow the fear to take over you've missed that opportunity either way oh yeah you're right that that opportunity is gone yeah like there's no more allowing yourself to take that risk because it's gone because it doesn't exist anymore yeah you have taken the option out for yourself by not even trying you've erased that part of your chapter that Mm -hmm. could have been written yeah do you ever think about that too sometimes i i I really try not to do this now in this era of my life but there were a lot of moments of like possible vulnerability in my 20s where you're just like what if i had done that what if i had just said yes or like what if i had just you know taken that chance (laughs) and then kind of like you're saying it does kind of like erase a chapter and then sometimes and I it's one of those things that makes me believe that like there is more synchronicity and fate than like I'm usually willing to admit in the sense that you can't envision it for yourself and whatever was there probably wasn't for you but really what's happening is that like you erase that possibility so it's just not going to exist for you no matter what that whole butterfly effect thing butterfly effect exactly yeah Yeah. that that concept really terrifies me and it'd be a great topic for another time honestly that would be a really good one it's kind of it kind of plays into like the when you sit down and try to think of the size of the universe oh and you start to like panic and like inwardly feel just freak out (laughs) yeah it's kind of that thing where it's like well i didn't take that chance that's done you know i'm here where i am yeah just I gotta move forward otherwise I'm gonna think about you and you can't all of these things I could have done differently yeah how would my life look and it just starts to panic me I think um when we talk about like metaphorical forks in the road and you just you have like consciously chosen to take one I think when we look back on our memories we still see them that way as forks in our road where like we might not know where that other path went but you can kind of see the branch of where it might have gone yeah and I think that's even um it's a form of vulnerability in itself to like admit to yourself that there's all of these other unexplored possibilities in your life that like whether it be fear or opportunity or just dumb luck that like this is the path you ended up on and not that one yeah i think being aware of it later is kind of just like what oddly um 
when I think about it from a forward perspective, uh-huh. like thinking about how different my life could be in a year from now, okay. it gives me so much hope and excitement. Yes. But if I think back how different my life could have been, yeah. it scares me. That's such a weird thing I just realized. Which is funny because the forward one is the one that you have control over. Yeah. And the one, in, I mean, you don't have control either way. Control is an illusion. <laughs> but <laughs> Very true. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but I think... That's a really, really good observation because it really should be flipped. It should yeah. be like you should feel hopeful about where you are at now because based of all, on your how decisions far you've, you've made. Come. Yeah. Exactly, and then whereas you should be worried about all the things that could go wrong in the future. It's like all these possibilities, but it's funny because you're right. I feel the same way. I, I'll get like exhilarated about like, well, these are the things I want to do, and yes. these are the things that are po- maybe it's because it's all still possibility. And, and those then looking are, back, those are gone. Those are dead ends. Oh, like there's no shit. thought there. Yeah. That's like. That's, because, dude, I can what if all day. You and I have known each other long enough to know that there are other life paths we could have taken that we might not have been unhappy on that are just very different than what we're currently doing. Oh. But see, thinking about that scares me. I know, exactly. Like, who would I be married who to Who would today? I be, exactly. And I'm just always just like, would, would I, I be kids? fulfilled in would this I, life? Would I be, like, who would I be? And I also, I've been having this thought a lot, too, in consideration, too, to kids and, like, whether or not, honestly, like, that's something we want to do. And... I'm having, I ha, I keep trying to, that thing that we're talking about where you ask yourself the what if question and you answer it, I keep trying to have this conversation with myself where I'm like, okay, you have this idea that if you don't do this in the next 10 years, you're going to miss out and you're going to have like that your life after this seems like something different that you don't understand because what you've been told all your life is that like, this is the life that you're going to have, right? Mm-hmm. But then I think about it, and I, I really try to ask myself, like, what what is it that you're afraid isn't going to be in that picture? Because to me, a lot of my family and a lot of the idea of, like, more traditional families is that, like, that fills your life. The next two-thirds of your life are that's your it. kids and your family. That's and that's, you know, that's, I love family. I love my family. I love being there for them. But I'm also starting to realize that, like, when I really think of my cousins as, like, individual people... They did have children and they created families. But when I think of them as people, they do still have a life to live Mm -hmm. and they have a life to build. And whether how much they um, do that around their kids' lives or focused on their kids' lives, that's completely up to them. Mm -hmm. But they had the kid. And yeah, I would say for the first 10 years, it is probably the first 20 years, it is very intensive and you are very involved. But you are still a person with another person and like, I've started to realize that, like, that's just a misconception I have about, like, fulfillment. And there, I have had a very fulfilling, this was the thought that really fucking changed it for me. I've had a very fulfilling 30 years without children. And now I have mobility and access and adulthood and money and not like money, but I mean, I had not on allowance anymore. Yeah. Um, I have all of these things to make these next 30, 60, science-willing 90 years to, like, do whatever I want to do. And, like, that doesn't have to be unfulfilling. That can be even more fulfilling than the past 30 years that I've had just because I have even more opportunity to do Mm -hmm. amazing things. And the idea that I will not have that life if I don't have kids comes from all of these, like, other social conditionings that, like, they we're going to get back to vulnerability. They make me feel vulnerable at my core because I'm like, oh, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. It's like, what am I supposed to do? There's 7 mm-hmm. billion of us. Like, Well, and it's so interesting that you have this, this frame of mind when you're very young. Like when I was five, say, I thought I was going to be married by 25, have kids by 28, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not there. <laughs> Girl. Yeah. I remember very clearly the day that I told my friend I wanted to be done having kids at 23. 
Yo. I wanted to have three kids <laughs> and be done. That's a hard for me, dog. Dog. <laughs> I was in India when I was 23, and I was I not was pregnant in with India my when third. I was 23. Yeah, dude, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's really hard to rewrite that narrative that you're, you're not only fed, but you're conditioned to love and want and nurture and it when is you're a very beautiful, young. It is a beautiful thing. Like, family... Yeah. If you can manage that, yeah. I have so much respect for you. Absolutely. That hasn't been my path. That's has, that hasn't been what, able, what I've been able to accomplish. But I'm very happy where I'm at. But, exactly. Like, it took a really long time to let go of that... To let go of the where I should concept. Yeah. yeah. I think even, too, especially after getting married and everyone was just like... Now what? So what are you guys going to... When are you guys yeah. going to have... It was so... That's when I realized how much truth there was in that fight club scene where Tyler Durden is like, yeah, I called my dad after I graduated and I was like, well, what do I do now? And he goes, I don't know. Get, get married. A job. Yeah. And he was just like, and I realized, I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to get, I was, I was literally just doing what I was being told. And I've only very recently realized that like, and I'm saying up until like the past two weeks, even like my goals for education, I, I'm absolutely 100% committed in my relationship, but I do know that I pursued that type of relationship because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, there's a lot of that that you start realizing. You're like, oh, I don't, how much of this is what I choose and how much of it is me maybe not wanting to be vulnerable or. Here's, here's a vulnerable moment for you based on my path and where I think I should be at. I've changed my career, what, three times now. Mm -hmm. I feel so much shame for that. Really? Why? Really? In this, I'll tell you why. It's because I have this this frame of mind in my in, set in my head that by the time you're 30, you should be in a career that you stick with until you're retired. Girl, I started is, a new under-the-table part-time job the other day oh, because I felt like it. It's so much bullshit, honestly. <laughs> it's the most bullshit! I will probably change my quote-unquote career again at least twice, maybe Listen, not three times. the people that fed you that narrative grew up in an era so different from yours that they're secure... Listen... The 70s were a very hard time for our parents. The recession, I don't think we understand. The recession that happened, I did. I had no idea. I didn't have a context for it. Mm-hmm. The idea of working at the same place and having retirement and having a job and working for like one boss and that loyalty and all, all of that comes from a generation of people who did not know if they had a future. But it's still very prevalent now. I mean, people yeah. say, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you do for a living? It's like... What I'm, do I do for I'm, a living? I'm, I'm fucking alive. Yeah. I live every day trying to better myself, I guess. That's my that's my career. I think the framing of that question is really bad, too. What yeah. do you do for a living? It's just a I very, breathe like... Breathe and eat and sleep and yeah. play with my dog. Yeah, I make yeah. sure to go poop once a day <laughs> and drink lots of water. Like, I don't... There's just... I think we've... Again, we can say a lot of, like, bohemian, like, privileged, like, romantic things about what our purpose is and all that. And I understand what we're saying when we say living, but I think... It's part of the, like, toxic relationship we have with, like, our work ethic yeah. and our it's, it's, work-life balance. It's feeding too. into that narrative of what should you be doing with your life right now. Well, it's how you validate yourself. Yeah. Like, what are you, what have you done like, that I makes you I started a new job three months ago. I feel like I've started over with my life, which is bullshit. Like, I've... Dude, okay. and the thing is, too, is, like, just for some context, you guys, like, this, this is... I'm sitting in front of, like, a homeowning, dog-loving like, career-focused person, you're probably one of my, like, most motivated and focused friends, and you have it, like, the most together, and I'm telling you, like, we all feel this way. Every single one of my friends who I feel like, when I look in on them, and I'm like, dude, I'm so proud of you, you've got it all together, I'm so happy for you, literally every single time I have that conversation, the person always comes back with me and always says, 
I feel like I'm not doing anything. You clearly have it so together. I'm so proud of what you. What is that? It's social. Social media does not help it. I was. I was social say, media does not help it. It's, yeah. It's very. Here's the thing, dude. I am not gonna post. I'm not the kind of person who's gonna wake up and be like, "Time to be real, real with my followers," and like post some fucking shitty selfie at like six in the morning with like bags under my <laughs> eye. And not because that doesn't happen, and not because it's not reality, but because what we do is we put our best foot forward. That's yeah. just what we do. You we want accidentally your life to look. Very put together, very fluid, very constant. Well, even in the 90s, dude, photo albums, they're not full of the fights your family had or, like, the long, quiet hours of the road trips. The pictures in the family, like, the photo album, they're, like, outside the Grand Canyon, and they're, like, at the barbecue, they're at Disneyland. It's not, like, it's not new that we're highlighting... a timeout with my nose in the corner because I didn't eat my vegetables. Exactly. And I think that's the thing, is, like, before... It was very normal that, like, I was like, oh, film is expensive, we're going to develop these, we're going to print them, so, like, we're only going to... Special moments, right? Yeah. It was very normal then. Mm-hmm. But now, I literally... I was telling you my, my iCloud won't update because I can't stop taking, like, seven pictures of something because I don't like whichever one I took. <laughs> and I have 8,000 photos you on my phone. You don't go through and delete those. I do, but I get very, like, well, what if I like this one later? Because <laughs> I, I get Man. horny even with my pictures. Super <laughs> fucking weird. But I started realizing, I'm like, we, we don't have to... Um, we don't have to pick and choose what we capture anymore. And I think it makes us more critical of what we're sharing versus what we're capturing. Because when I go through my, my camera roll, one in every, like, two full swipes of the page is, like, going to go out in public. Yeah. Either for, like, decency or for I don't like how I look right. or for whatever. It was blur. It doesn't matter. But that's, that's going to translate differently. And I think we very accidentally... I've heard a lot of, like, the bloggers that we work with talk about this, that Instagram is one of the best things that's ever happened to their career and their social life, but they also, almost every single person I know literally has to take breaks from it because they will fall into, like, toxic, like, loopholes of comparison. But here's the thing there. When someone gets very vulnerable about who they are, Mm. it blows up. Yeah. Because people see these facades of these perfect lives, these, you know, glamorous whatevers. Yeah. And it's just not, they know deep down it's not realistic, but that's what they strive to be. Yeah. And the second someone turns around like, hey, guess what? I have a kid. Yeah. Um, I've got a, you know, bazillion stretch marks. This is what I look like. Yeah. People appreciate it so much because they can actually relate to that. Yeah. You can't relate to someone who goes on cruises every three weeks who has the tidiest little body and eats whatever the fuck they want. And the thing is, is like, that's beautiful. We all love yes. looking at you, but you feel unattainable. We admire and you, Honestly, but... a lot of the people that are obsessed with you, you make them feel like shit about themselves. And it's not anything you're doing. It doesn't no, make you a bad person. I don't think that Amazon, I don't think that like influencers are inherently bad people. I just think that like, there it's is so much realistic. that goes into the psychology of yeah. being a normal ass person on Instagram who is a good photographer and like has good that's the thing too is like I also laugh because there's people I know who I'm just like you just have a really great sense of aesthetics like you that that's just like you're it's your jams like you are so great at that yeah. and you meet them in real life and it's not that they're not aesthetically perfect it's that they're a very real normal person but they have a good but eye for that you expected them to show up this like you expected them to show up in a filter together. yeah <laughs> like, exactly. you expected them to show up in like an Instagram filter and you're just like oh you're a human yeah You've oh you got... have flaws wow yeah I, I like you even more now yeah and I think that's the thing too is like when you meet those people realizing that like I've noticed that a lot too even with a lot of the um like the bloggers that we work with especially like the bigger like the people that if I didn't know them and I like knew them on Instagram before on Sac- in Sacramento area and then I would like see them on there and like we've seen them at like our mixers and stuff meeting them makes them so much more real and it makes them there's a very subtle difference between like the Instagram model that you follow 
and like the people that you know that you talk to on Instagram. It's a very they're, subtle. They're less intimidating in real life. Yes, they're. Well, I think you. It's so much easier to remember that like we're all human. We talked about being starstruck earlier today. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's this idea that like this is another human. Literally, none of us are. Yeah. None of us are greater than or like. There's a there's a big baker here that I follow on Instagram, and he was at the farmers market I went to yesterday. Nah. Like working, yeah. selling his stuff. Yeah. And it was such a weird moment for me because I had this immediate revelation that holy shit, this is this person that I follow that I admire so much, but at the same time, like, he's he's working he's right now. Fucking under, he's fucking like, He's selling me his stuff right now. He's like, this I'm buying a, from you? This is such a weird dynamic. Are you serving me? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's funny because we forget, like, the That's reason... A human. It's That's a human. It's a human person. Being. The whole reason I even started, like, my Instagram stopped being personal and started being more focused on travel. Like, yeah, those are prettier pictures, but I plan travel I sell travel like I think it's easy for people to like again it's like yeah. it's glamorous this is fun this is cool but when you call me and we like we sit for three hours talking about like what like airlines you like and all that stuff like I'm a, I'm a I'm a real human person and I, I it's not about there are reasons that all of this is happening yeah. all of these aesthetics that are drawing you in we're doing it for a reason yeah. and we're we we want you here for a reason and I think that vulnerability of like when you have that raw moment, because I do notice that same thing. If I, because a lot of my, I try to be very honest, but I think a lot of my stuff is still very topical because I I have found a way to be honest without revealing a lot of myself because I, yeah, I same. don't. It's like a code of, I'm showing you some vulnerability, but I'm not telling you all the facts. I'm not going to tell you the stories that have brought me here. Like, you know the general idea of what's happening in my yeah. life, but I'm not telling you the details of it. So you are kept at just enough of a distance that you're not going to hurt me. But I'm also human. Yeah. So I think there's a weird, and I think we've all found a way to like tiptoe around that line because like I've I've found a way to express to people like, hey, I feel like I'm going through this. This mm-hmm. is how I feel. I'm giving you no specifics. You have no idea what's going on in my life. But see, why is it that you don't give specific specifics? Because for me, it's a matter of. Fear. It's a matter of thinking, oh, well, they'll think I'm airing my dirty laundry or I'm being dramatic or there a myriad is. of things that, frankly, I don't give a flying fuck what you think about me. Exactly. I, there's always there's always that first instinct of, um, what will people what think will people when think? I say the truth? And the thing is, too, is it's not even what, what will people think. It's that I am going to be driven crazy for the next two days anytime somebody likes this. Yes. Why did they like it? And then I'm going to think about that person and what they're... Because th- the thing is, is when you like something, even for a millisecond, that person pops into your brain. So then my brain starts going super neurotic and is like, that person just liked this photo. That means this person that's three states away right in this moment just thought about me. What are they thinking about me? Yeah. And that is a fucking toxic, <laughs> neurotic thought to have. Ooh, Especially, too, if you're posting, if you're, like, literally, like, you're following your trends and you're posting at your, like, peak times... And 30 people like your picture in, like, an hour. You're just sitting there having, like, a... Holy shit, 30 people know my story right now. Yeah, and it's like, I just told this to this many people. And I think that there's a weirdness in that. But another thing, I don't know if this is healthy, but this is something I've always said to Sam. And it kind of almost seems polarizing with how I tend to live my life in general. But a very, like, foundational rule for me is that not everyone deserves access to you. A very big thing for me has always been that I, when I was younger, I was an open book and everybody had full access to me. You mm-hmm. just, you could access me at any point. You had my full vulnerability. You had my honesty. I was going to, it's not that I was going to trust you fully. It's that I was going to, I have, I tend to be very gullible and I like have, right. the, I, I have good intentions. So I just think everybody else does. So that tends to, 
it used to be that I just thought everyone had equal right to access. You know, mm-hmm. when you, there's like those two, we also talked about this earlier, those two like ideas about respect is that, oh, everybody has it by default at a hundred and you trickle down or you start at zero and you earn your respect. Yeah. So there's like one or the other. And I think for me, a big reason that I keep it vague is that I don't think I want to share myself and I want you to know that I'm human because I want you to feel okay with whatever you're going through. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that means you deserve all of my stories. Because there's a lot about me that, like, most people don't know. And, like, I, sure. I almost prefer it that way. Yeah, it's a, very, it's a very fine line between being vulnerable and allowing yourself to be out there. And then just exposing yourself to undoubtedly being hurt. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a point where you share too much and you are allowing yourself to be judged and labeled and all yeah. those things another yeah. weird thing too is you don't always know you might think to yourself like what if somebody criticizes me for this but then somebody this is this is this is what always weirds me out about vulnerability somebody will come out of left field that you barely know that will like ask you something or tell you something or do something about that situation that like hurts you in a way that like was not even on your radar like yeah. in your 180 radar from here to here on your full horizon you were like these are all the possibilities of the things that could go wrong with this and then somebody comes up from behind you and you're just like hey <laughs> did do you forget about this one cuz yeah. hi yeah. and it's not even it can just literally be as subtle as somebody like you know making saying something that they don't know is hurtful because they don't have enough context to know it is or something like that and that will throw you off enough I don't know, psychologically, for me, it's enough to be like, well, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. It's really hard for me for, like, a few weeks after that to be mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, I don't want to share that because last time this person knew this or whatever. And it's just... Yeah, but it's just, it's hard to not let the outliers like that affect you forever. And you can't. I think the the big thing is that... Um, I think once you start taking things like that personal, because the opinions of others have nothing to do with you. Thank you. That's that's some of the best advice I've ever been given as an adult. It's so hard to wrap Can your head around. you say that one more time for our listeners? The opinions please? of others have nothing to do with you. Thank you. It is okay. so hard to wrap your head around that concept and then accept it on top of it. Yeah. And still to this day, I feel like I'm fairly confident in myself, but mm-hmm. still to this day, someone will say something to me and it will bother me for days me afterwards. Me too. Like, I did something very minuscule I didn't even realize I was doing. This person acknowledged it and pointed it out and it bothered me for days. Yeah. Because you're like, like, what else am I doing? this doesn't fucking matter. Why is this bothering me? It shouldn't matter. I think because it challenges your perspective of yourself. Yeah. Because to me, I'm always like, in that moment, like if, like if I'm having like a really, like when I was in grad school, I was like, when I was like having a really stressful week or so, and like it would be the weekend and my deadline would be coming up and Sam, you know, like halfway through Saturday would just kind of be like, hey, you know, I like, I know you're under a lot of stress. Like I just, is there anything else that I can help you with? Because I feel like you've just been kind of short and like, you probably don't know that, but like, is there, is there oh. stuff, is there stuff going on in other parts that like maybe, and in that moment you just feel like such a dick. Cause you're already, I'm already defensive because I'm yeah. worried about so many things. You're already so stressed. So you can't take criticism like that. Yeah. And, and then I, on top of it, you just feel like shit for it. And it's then like, I feel attacked. And then oh, I also feel mother. defensive because you're right. And I probably was being shitty. Cause then in that moment I have to go through all those emotions and then still bite down and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm really sorry. But inside, I will be boiling because I'm just like, leave me the fuck How alone. dare you? I will literally just be like, why couldn't you just wait a week? And you're like, yeah. because this is a person. That's, yeah. It's another person in your life. They, they felt it long enough that they needed to say something. And honestly, they're, make, that's, they're so making know, themselves vulnerable to tell this to you yeah. because Sam also Out knows. Out of fear that you might also retaliate by being even more pissed at him. Exactly. Sam knows exactly what my temper's like. He yes. knows what the risks are. Yeah. 
And he's, I, I just really appreciate like. But see, it's so important because after that moment you broke down and you were nicer, I'm sure. Of course, because then in that moment I was like, okay. And that took that, I mean, we've been together almost a decade. That took the majority of that yeah. time to be able to say, to turn off that first instinct of like, well, and like defending yourself yeah. and kind of just stopping and being like, okay, why am I defending myself? This was a thing that we like talked about in therapy too, just like very recently kind of turning off that thing. Um, because when you get, if you're, if you start to get in a rut and you're starting to have the same argument over and over, it gets very easy to, as soon as you see that argument coming, go to the spot you two hours ago, you're like, all right, fucking got my defenses. We talked about this too, right? The, just like, you just get ready to go. Oh, your, your pump is primed. Was that you? Uh Oh yeah. I have another friend who we were talking about therapy. Yeah. And she was talking about how like you, for somebody else, you gotta, that water pump, you gotta, to get the water to come out, nobody else has messed with it, right? For somebody else, you gotta start fresh. You gotta just start fucking pumping, and then you'll fucking burst, right? Yeah. For your partner, or for whoever this, That's this, all this the conflict time. is with, it is with, always ready to your go. Your pump is fucking primed, and yeah. as soon as they touch it, it's yeah. zero to 100. Yeah. And, like, that makes perfect sense. So it even took us, I mean, again, a decade to get to the point where that split second between your defensiveness and your ability to be like, okay, I'm being defensive. You are my partner. You're coming to me with a complaint. Um, You're communicating your vulnerabilities. You're communicating. You're making yourself vulnerable to do this. Yes. I got to chill. Yeah. This makes me feel real shitty because I think I might've been being shitty and you're right. Yeah. But I'm going to not, it's God, it's so fucking hard to admit. And just in that moment, kind of just being like, but I will be better. And like, and the, the, it's so... It's the courage to acknowledge that you've been a crappy person, which you don't define yourself as. And then also not making excuses right after. Yeah. That's a big one. Is then being like, no, 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 I hear you, but... I'm stressed. Like, I'm this, I'm that. person isn't responsible for your stress. All of those reasons yeah. are you saying, the, this is the reason that I'm justifying treating you badly. <laughs> the biggest lesson I've learned is to really try to view it from someone else's perspective. Yes. Like, don't give a fuck about your problems. Take yourself out of your body. Think about their life and what they're currently going through. Yeah. Like, maybe they're also having a bunch of shitty issues happen and they're really stressed, but they're not taking it out on you the way you're taking it out on them. And not like, oh, look and, like, flip yourself on the the other side of this conversation. Truly take a second to put your, like, give yourself as much context as you have about that person and apply all of it. Well, and also, Were they late that day? Are yeah. they going through something? Yeah. Do they normally talk about this stuff? Like, is this something that's coming up new? Like, there's so much other things that can give you... And it really... All it is is being able to step far enough away from yourself to take on another perspective, which yeah. is unbelievably difficult. Yeah. It's questioning who you thought you were in that moment. Like, yeah, I'm handling this stress well. I'm not being rude to my partner or whatever. Oh, actually, here's another perspective of it. I'm actually kind of being not who I want to be right now. Yeah, exactly. That's a big thing too. Sometimes I think like, oh, it's enough that I'm annoyed and I'm just going to shut down and not, I'm like, well, I'm not going to make conflict and I'm going to just do my own thing. Mm -hmm. You're, (laughs) listen, you do not live with somebody for, you don't live with somebody as long as I live with Sam and they don't pick up on the fact that you are doing your own thing and like in your own head. Yeah. Because they feel that and they, that just feels like neglect to another person. Yeah. And I like, I try to remember when I'm feeling up in my head and I just want to be left alone. I try to remind myself, because this is something, especially, like, when he, like, has a convention or he's going to, like, be painting for, like, the whole weekend or something, he'll, it'll be very easy for him to just, like, go up into his head and he'll, like, forget to talk. Like, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk yeah. about dinner, we'll yeah. do whatever, but, like, Sam's a very talkative person and we, like, we, you know, there's a lot that we share about the things that we like and he'll forget to, like, talk. And I think for me, I looked, I did that, um, love language test and mine is, um, quality time. 
So, um... You only have one? I think that was my main one. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, well, that's the one that I... Because isn't it different of how you receive it and how you give it? Yeah, so... Yeah. But you can have multiples. Like, my, yeah. mine or how I feel loved are physical touch and quality time. Yeah. And mine of how I give love are uh, words of affirmation and... Um, physical touch. Yeah. So I'm very similar. I think my giving is words of affirmation and, um, physical touch too. Or is it gifts? No, I'm not sure. But I know that my, my receiving, the biggest one was just like quality time. You need quality time. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like a big thing of like, yeah, we spend a lot of time together, but I very quickly start to notice that I will feel not neglected, just kind of like bump. Like I feel like maybe, like maybe I'm being boring. Maybe I'm not being interesting because He's just up in his own world. And I have yeah. to remember, I'm like, this is a whole... It doesn't matter that this is my person. This is a whole ass other person. This yeah. is an, this is all of the complexities that come with my processing and all of the things that I... All the filters I have, he has a whole different yeah. set. And I've only known him for a third of his life. So, like, I don't even know what else is in there, yeah. really. And I think that's a weird well, thing Well, there's a difference realize. between sitting on the couch, facing each other, making eye contact and talking, versus sitting on the couch and looking at your phones... And, like, occasionally showing each other a meme or whatever. Yeah. Chuckling about it. 100%. Definitely. Which both is time together. Yeah. But, my God, if I feel a difference between the eye contact and the talking. Yeah. Then I do over watching Well, especially Netflix even in that, those rare moments where um, you finish your phone scrolling, like, five minutes before they do. And, and you, you get annoyed. And you start to realize the future we built because you're sitting there. And I've literally, I've, like, t- not timed it. But I've just been sitting there before, like, how long is it going to take for him to notice that I'm not doing that anymore and it's not fun anymore? Yeah. And that, I feel like that's going to have to be something we touch on as a society is that like, there's new, there's like restaurants now that have like phone free zone, like signs and stuff, but like finding the balance when you get home and you do that is every home needs rules for that. Allowing yourself to decompress in that way is great. Yeah. But there has to be a point where you stop decompressing. Yeah. So I've, I've noticed we've built a little bit of a routine when we come home from something like, if we're out, we're, like, running errands or whatever, and we, like, come in to settle in, we'll both take, like, five or ten. And it, it's it's almost, it's unspoken, it's subconscious, but I've also started to notice that if one person has their phone out, the other person will just take their phone out. Yeah. Because... I did that at breakfast this morning. What else are you, you going to do? Oh, yeah. Because Sam, Sam called, and the first thing you're like, well, I'm going to amuse myself. It's a comfort zone. Yeah. It's a, it's a not sitting there doing nothing, being vulnerable. Dude, it's like I was just going to say, it's vulnerability. In, yeah, it's hiding myself on the phone. That's like, when was the last time you went out to eat by yourself? I've never done that. Literally so, never once in my life. I've done it multiple times, but I can't do it without a security blanket. A I have to have a, a book? book or a phone or something that I'm doing while I eat. I can't just sit there and do nothing because I feel so exposed and I feel so weird in that moment. But doesn't that... But why? You know, that feeling always freaks me out. I try not to think about it because it scares me because I... When you really think about that situation, all you're doing is walking into a restaurant, which is there to serve you food. And you're there to just be a person. But we have let, we've gotten so disconnected from our real life interactions mm-hmm. that the idea of strangers looking at you nothing and there's nothing for you to I think a big one for me is where am I gonna put my eyes? What am I gonna look at that's not gonna interfere with other people? Mm-hmm. So I just have to yeah. keep my eyes down on my phone. Yeah. Which is Yes. What are we That's so true. What what the is only that? time the only time I can do it comfortably without is the security blanket is if I'm enjoying a cup of coffee in the morning. And I'm outdoors. Ooh, that's a good one. Like if I'm sitting at a coffee shop oh, outside yeah. enjoying yeah. a cup of coffee, you can I'm just fine. like look out. That is a comfortable zone for me. But the second I have food in front of me, I feel like I need something else to divert my eyes to. 
Which is really, you know what it might be too? It might be our self-consciousness of eating in public. Because when there isn't somebody else there with you. Also. And you can both be eating and you can both be like distracted by each other. I think maybe it's the possibility of like making eye contact while you're making a bite. I don't know. (laughs) Because I hate that idea. (laughs) But I know exactly what you're talking. Have you ever gone to a movie by yourself? Oh, it's maybe my favorite thing to do by myself. I started doing it a couple years ago. I used to take Mondays off and I'd go to like a middle of the day, Monday afternoon um, <clears throat> movie at like the most rundown theater we have here, Sunrise Mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be one of maybe six or seven people. Yeah. And it was, it quickly became my favorite thing, but it was so comfortable. Yeah. Because I wasn't exposed. I it was think... something I was enjoying by myself. Yeah. I always got a candy and a soda and I like, yeah. sat and ate the whole fucking thing. Yeah. No judgments there. And it was, I enjoyed the movie. I think I saw the same movie a couple times every once in a while. That's really cool. But it was, it was a really enjoyable thing, but it wasn't very exposed. That's, so a big thing for me has always been that my security blanket to breaking into that would be a movie theater because it's, you go in and it's already a singular experience. It's already something you do by yourself. It's still weird sitting by yourself though. Really? Yeah. So another thing is I start realizing how deep the anxiety goes for me because I realize I don't even want to think about what people are thinking when I'm walking up to the theater by myself. Here's the thing, though. Prior to going to the movies by myself, I would feel bad for the people that were by themselves. And now, after experiencing that myself... You, like, cheer for them. I am so fucking proud of them. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, you enjoy the crap of this movie. You don't have to worry about anyone else but yourself right now. I know what that's like. I know how amazing it is. I'm really happy for you. It's really just making me consider how much we tie someone's credibility into their social skills, though, because we all do this. When we, when we see somebody, yeah, too. but we see somebody out in public. You see somebody eating by themselves. Your first instinct is like, well, what's your story? What's Why your are you story? By Why? Because my thinking is, I think of all the possibilities for me. It's like, oh, I could be meeting a friend, a cousin, a family member, my partner. There are so many people I could be having lunch or dinner with. Why is this person by themselves? Why is it so? inconceivable that they might just want some peace and quiet. See, I think until you really experience it yourself and understand it and appreciate it, it's hard to imagine that. Because now I see someone eating alone, I think, man, they, they must just be loving it because you can be in the moment and actually enjoy your food, not having to worry about conversation. You're sure as fuck not dealing with the first date, which sucks. <laughs> like, you can just be there and actually enjoy the moment, which yeah. is such a rare thing. I think that's, I don't know, it's a... Um... It also shows courage to me now. Like yes. you're putting yourself, you're allowing yourself to be out there in public by yourself. Yeah, you are being vulnerable just in existence, and Which, to me that shows courage. I think that's a really, really big thing too. Is like how much vulnerability is underlined and outlined by courage. You can't, you can't have vulnerability without courage. Well, I think vulnerability in itself is courage. Yes, I fully agree. I always, Sam. I don't know. Sometimes. Um, He'll, I don't, when, when he talks about like bravery or somebody being brave or like not being afraid, I always try to remember that I think the, like the most defining factor of bravery is being afraid. Like you, you feel the fear, you fully fear it. You, you, you feel, you fully fear it. You, um, you <laughs> feel the feel fear. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you feel the fear, you acknowledge it and you ignore it because not, not even ignore it. You just work through it because mm-hmm. It's, it's like jumping off the waterfall. There. It's jumping off the waterfall. You know what's there? You're feeling that fear. You're afraid of dying. You're feeling hit of rock. Whatever. All of those things you come up with. Yeah. And you think, okay, fuck it. Okay, exactly. It. And I know that moment so well because I felt it so many times. Yeah. We're just like, 
Okay, go. Yeah, and you literally, it's like that inhale is you literally turning off your brain and yeah. being like, just do it, just go. And then for a split second afterward, you think, what have I just done? <laughs> and then you're fine. You're and absolutely it's like this fine. huge release mm-hmm. of this fear. You're like, why the fuck was I so nervous? Yeah, it was like the first time I went on a roller coaster that went upside down. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that took me a very long time to do. I'm not a big fan of that feeling. So. Yeah, that one sucks. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> but it's only for a split second, then you're fine. Yeah. Because that's the thing, too, that happens way faster than I thought, so I was like, oh. It's... Yeah, you think it's going to be like this long, drawn out process where you're upside down, your hair's everywhere, yeah, and your like, things oh, are falling out of your I'm pockets. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to throw up, yeah. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that sometimes, but <laughs> the gravitational pull is so fast, you're like, oh, it's over. Oh, it's... What, what, which one's that? Ah, yeah. <laughs> My first one, too, was the uh, California Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> That one's so good, too. That one is really good. It was a really good first one. It kind of hurts, though. Yeah. Yeah. Going upside down on a roller coaster is not the best feeling in the world. I don't like it. You Death know why? Death is imminent. Maybe because you're not supposed to... <laughs> Death is imminent. It's because you're not supposed to be flipped upside down at that speed. That's another thing, too, that I think about, like, the things that we do with, like, airplanes and roller coasters. Yeah, and, like, like we deliberately try to make us feel like we're about to die. You're like, how can I make my bag the most useless sack of bones possible yeah. how can i how can, how can I, I render gravity completely fucking lethal how can i get right up to that point where i'm about to die but then i get like the, the cord pulled the on my, my parachute <laughs> let's get into a fucking plane and jump out of it can we talk about but, the first person who skydived who i don't know was there a practice run was it off of a building Man, i need i need to know dude that fool must have had a chain of Changes underwear when he got down. Dude, imagine. Can you imagine being the first person to be like, yeah, I'll try to have this sheet come out of my backpack when I jump out of this airplane. <laughs> this sheet Hopefully in my backpack. It, it deploys correctly and I don't We've sp- never tested plummet it. to the earth and splatter. How did they test the first one? How, like, hopefully like a, a crate potato? of, a crate of, wait, a potato, that's not a human, what, would, <laughs> what the hell? Sam <laughs> crate of something. Well, I'm trying to think if it was military, <laughs> I'm trying to think if it was military or recreational. Like, if it would have been a skydiver first or, like, a like a paratrooper. I don't know. Well. If you know, email us. If you know, actually, let's talk about that email. This is uncomfortablepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> we wanted you tell to be us. just as uncomfortable as you typed it. <laughs> yes, tell us uh, what the first person who thought it was a good idea to jump out of a plane was. Yeah, tell us about airplanes. Um, also, tell us about other things that you'd like to hear about. Other awkward uncomfortable things that make you cringe and wince and that you'd love to hear us talk about because we want to do that for you. Tell us about your vulnerability and what you do that's vulnerable and weird and that you really love. Like sitting alone at a coffee shop and makes you feel nice and safe and yeah. Going to a dog park without a dog. (gasps) What? Oh, if I'm I'm walking downtown and I'm walking by a dog park, I'll go in there. I won't have my dogs with me. That's so sweet. I didn't know that I found that. Yeah. People always, every single time, they ask me where my dogs are. What do you say? They're at home. <laughs> I was just walking by. I wanted to pet some dogs. That is the sweetest thing. <laughs> I get thing. very weird looks. I do not care any longer. You know, honestly, though, I'm really proud that you admitted that because I remember Sam one time saw a dude at the dog park and was like, damn, that guy doesn't have a dog. <laughs> we were t- but see, it makes <laughs> me want to bring my dog to him. Like, I'm, here, I pet my see, dog. Like, you're the right kind of person because we were just like, is he going to steal our dog? <laughs> See, but the thing is, you haven't been at a dog park by yourself without a dog No, yet. and I haven't. And I remember the next thing I said to Sam was, I was like, what if he just really likes dogs? And then both of us were like, God, I really hope he just really likes what dogs. If, what if he's just allergic enough that he can't have one? Oh my god, he really wants one. <gasps> Katie, you just completely redeemed that dude for me. <laughs> you're welcome, Perfect, dog park, dude. Yeah, okay, you're welcome, stranger. 
So yeah, email us. This is uncomfortable podcast at gmail. Tell us your weird shit. We'll be talking to you soon. Yes. <laughs>